0: Hey, this is Chip with The Real Dirt, and today I have a very exciting episode. I know I say all the episodes are exciting, but I've really been looking forward to this one. I've got uh, Cullen, the CEO and one of the founders of Green Bros. Say hello, Cullen.
1: Hey, Chip. Thanks for having me, and hello, everyone.
0: Now, uh, if you don't know the term Green Bros, or it's it's not your 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 buddy down the street selling uh, cannabis, it's, they're an automation and solutions company. If you don't have a machine right now or you're interested in a machine, this is a great episode to to hear all about the automated solutions to uh, trimming and processing cannabis. We've been talking about this episode for a while. I'm I'm, I'm glad we finally got on the phone. Uh, There's so much stigmatism to automated trimmers. People hate them. People love them. Do you know? Could you make give us some type of statistics or facts? Do you know anything about like how much of the industry uses automated trimmers?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I'd say the percentage of the industry that uses it is well over ninety.
0: Ninety percent uses some sort I'd of say automation. Well
1: over, yeah, wow. yeah, easily. Especially with the market the way that it is right now, we sell a machine that is so close to hand trimming that. Most people, most people can't tell the difference in the quality of the finish. That being said, we work with a lot of companies that use our equipment that will stop a little bit early and then hand finish, and then they, they Mm -hmm. call it hand trimmed, you know, hand trimming is, is the penultimate, right? That's the, that's the standard that we have to, we have to come up to and, you know, we're the only, we're the only machine that does. So that's pretty cool.
0: You absolutely do a great job. I see uh, cannabis all the time and. People can either just mindlessly run it through their, you know, Green Bros. 215, um, or, or what's the other model? Is it the 315, 215? That's uh, so the
1: M. The M now. Actually, we had the 420. Okay. You know, all based on the California laws, but now we have the M. It's uh, The M is a monster, boy. That machine is something.
0: I saw it here at the Canna Trade Show recently, Canacon Trade Show. The stainless steel, uh, mm-hmm. man, totally waterproof. You can wipe it down, wash it down. Man, it was really, really nice, well thought out machine.
1: Well, thank you. Yeah, we went after, you know, all the things that our customers are facing coming up here, you know, regulations around equipment. We're a UL 508 panel shop. So our electrical is all UL certified and has a UL sticker on it. And our machines are all made with, you know, the best quality materials, U.S. stainless. So 304 for non-product touching and 316 for everything that touches the product. We looked at that machine from our customer's perspective completely. So we're excited about it.
0: We have so many customers that use the smaller machines, uh, big mm-hmm. operations, small operations, home grows, small commercial grows, big commercial grows. I see people using it all types of ways. I, I get customers that tell me all their tips and tricks and and whatnot. And you're absolutely Right. You can either just dump it in there and have automated, you know, automate your trimming process. You can hustle it a little bit and just use it to like pre-trim or prep it all. And many, many people do exactly that. Then they hand finish it and come out with a really stellar product.
1: It's cannabis is interesting in that regard. In my mind is as the market gets so, so full and there's so much product, you know, you have to be aware of the things that you can do to separate yourself from the competition. And one of them is the way your product looks, you know, and that's, it's no longer just okay to, to mass produce stuff, you know, leaving the guys that are, you know, we, we have some customers, believe it or not, that, that, that are doing 2,500 pounds a day in greenhouse. And that's a day. So that's going through this whole system. I mean, even a company like that is looking at it like, Hey, look, we can't, we can't cut corners. We can't have bad product. We can't have, you know, we have to still be at this upper echelon because there's still that brand recognition and that quality recognition that has to be there. So everybody's quality conscious, especially in this marketplace, because honestly, that's all that you've got to separate you because the pricing is so competitive.
0: I mean, you, you really sound like you, you know the cannabis industry to some degree. How did you how did you get involved with all this? How did, how did it happen for you?
1: Ah, uh, well... I was struggling as a, as a dad and, uh, you know, to raise a couple of kids and take care of my family and needed some supplemental income. And my, my family was in the, in the growing part of this business and got me involved. And I started growing in a, in a closet, eventually made that, that closet into a, you know, a large space, a large 2000 square foot warehouse space. And but I just was wasn't really that good at it, to be honest with you. Uh, it takes a lot more. Wait a, a second. More, you, you're, uh, you're, attention.
0: The, <laughs> you're the first person to ever admit that to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not exactly proud of it. Uh, but you know, you've got to understand. I mean, that's part of life, too, right? Some things you're
0: great at, and some things you suck at. Some, yeah. Some, some things, things you can't do. At, and, yeah,
1: absolutely. And uh, for me, it was just I had a great strain and, and great. And it was, it was like, the system was great and, and things were, were good, but I just didn't understand the, the amount of time and energy it takes to really do that. Well, you sure. know, uh, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a skill, like it's a, it's an art form and a skill. And these guys that do it and get these results that you see nowadays, it just, that just amazes me. I look at that and you know, kudos to those guys, man. No, yeah. It is it's definitely a crap.
0: It's real easy to grow, uh, you know, third tier and second tier cannabis right yeah but but, but to grow top tier cannabis man it's harder it's it's like everything about it is harder and it takes more skill more wisdom more energy more talent to do it
1: I, i'm fortunate i get to go into i get to go into some of the best you know if not the best cannabis grows in the world right now and, yeah,
0: I bet. and, that and accesses.
1: do some really amazing things but it all comes down to that guy you know that or that team of people who really has a passion for the plant and really works on it to get it to, to to be just right. You know? So that's pretty interesting.
0: So I I interrupted you, man. You said you, you, you started growing, but you realized you weren't that good at it and then put, what what was the turn?
1: Well, then I, I, I had a friend who was struggling with some mechanical issues around dry sifting and he wanted me to make a dry sifter for him and everything that was on the market was these barrel sifters and they just really weren't that effective. So I invented the Alchemist. It was so significantly different than the barrel sifters. And it was so much faster and had such a better quality of sift that I just thought, Oh my gosh, here I'm onto something big here. And that's what kind of launched me into, into the machine side of things. And of course, right after that, I started looking at the trimmers and at that point in time there was really only one dry trimmer on the market now of course everybody says that their wet trimmers do dry but that's just a bunch of fooey you know but uh back in the day because it's the same machines they've always been but back in the day there was only one dry trimmer on the market and I saw that as just a massive potential and and uh you know put some energy into developing the what is now our 215 dry trimmer and we haven't really changed that model but minorly from the very beginning. So since 2012, that, that machine's been pretty close to the same. The big machine is what's what we've done a lot of work and development on, but that little guy's been just chunking away for us. So
0: it seems like almost everyone else has the same type of idea. But you mm-hmm. you went different. Your 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 two fifteen trimmer and the, the larger one, they both work on similar principles that's that's different from the like barrel, tunnel, tumble. Grind, yeah, tumble, type
1: or, of... tumble, crumble, yeah. what we used to call it.
0: Yeah, tell, but... tell, t- explain <laughs> to us if you can, draw a picture for us uh, on why yours is different than, than the other
1: competitors. Well, I mean, the very first one that I ever saw looked like a dryer, right? And, and I always made me laugh. And they said, Oh, if you get it, you're looking for this wave. Like you would look in, that was the thing. You dial the speed up and based on the consistency of your product Mm and size, and you were looking for this wave to form inside this machine. And you're like, wow, that's, that's fucking hauling ass, man. (laughs) That machine is just getting it done. And you, and you realize pretty quickly when you look at the product coming out, that it's all very consistent, kind of like the wet trimmers do, you know, they make the golf balls. That's when we started getting golf ball size or shape cannabis Mm -hmm. was when wet trimming popular and then uh the dry trimmers are starting to do the same thing and they still do the same things all those tumblers do the same thing that you know either they under trim because you can't manage the process right you put it in you run it and then you pour it out so there's no management of process in sure. there with our machine you know it doesn't tumble it gently kind of rolls around over itself you can see the action over the blade you know there's a brush on the 215 and on the on the M we came up with these kind of displacement fins that create a rolling movement over I the blade. Saw that. I that, noticed that, that, that. Yeah. That's really cool. It, it's gentle. I mean, you can see it as it works. You can see the difference in the and how gentle it is compared to the the tumbler crumblers.
0: Yeah, that looks like uh, one of those features that it looks so simple really, but it it really does help the performance.
1: It's amazing. Yeah. We I mean, that machine we went right after, like I said, we went right after all the regulation on that machine, right? And we and We redesigned, knowing that we had the principal functionality correct. Right, we knew that the trimming functionality was right, but we didn't know how to do was how to make it completely disassemblable, rapid changing of parts, easy to clean, uh, food safe in the in the materials the touching and handling. Portions, actually three sixteen, so it's even better than than Food Safe. You know, we didn't know those things. How to get all that together, and then, and then, really, you know, the brush was always that thing. Like they get covered with trichomes, so they, they, you know, they, they kind of, they kind of get frizzy, and they, and they don't, you know, it's just kind of the first idea, right? It, It just needed to be fixed, and the concept on this one was how do we get it to move without, without using something, you know, that's really Doing what a brush does, and and uh, that's where we sat for a while. You know, my engineering team. We actually went up to uh, one of our partners and did the testing on it, and that was a lot of fun. But there we were standing and and putting pieces of of, of deflecting material in different parts of the of the machine and and turning stuff sideways, and you know, it was just like you know, spent hours and hours kind of trying to and taking video and then looking at it and then studying, kind of watching the flow and seeing what came up with. And that's how we ultimately ended up with. The deflecting fins that we have, and and we covered up the center hub, which has always been a point of consternation. We got rid of the sweeper bar, which has always been one of those things that that was just you know it was it was an initial idea that worked, but it just wasn't perfect, you know. And now we think with this machine that we've finally gotten to that place where if you look at the way the machine handles, first of all, it's a little bit smaller than our four twenty, but it outperforms our four twenty, so it's it's more effective, more efficient. And, and it does a better job, you know, just does a better job at the end of the day. So, but that was a lot of work. That was a lot of time study and evaluation where the first machine, you know, we didn't, we didn't have, I didn't have an engineer. It was me. And, you know, it was just solving little problems here and there until we got it functional. And now we've actually, you know, I've got an engineering staff. We redesign things completely in, in uh, SolidWorks. So we do a lot of modeling, a lot of testing before it comes out. We have great equipment now. So all of our precision is way, way up. So, you know, Lots of good stuff.
0: But what's the produ- productivity of this, this large machine?
1: Yeah, so it's still right in that same 10 to 12 pounds per hour. We're getting different feedback. Some people are liking it with uh, larger, like like a little bit larger batches. Some people like it with smaller batches. And, you know, so that's yeah. kind of the little finer details. But the productivity still remains about the same, but the quality is better. The other thing that that that's great about it is a lot of people have these these strain constraints, right? Or batch constraints anyway, because of, because of, uh, material management, right? So like Colorado, you have to keep all of one plant together, blah, blah, blah. And they have these tags that follow it from seed to, you know, from cradle to grave, if you will, but they have very interesting kind of needs, right. And all of our customers have that in California you have 20 pound batch needs and these kind of things. So they have to, do cleanup and changeover. Well, with us with a system like this, you can pop the blades out. You can even pop the barrel out, put a new barrel, new blades, and everything in. It takes about five minutes, and those can be being cleaned while you're running on your other set. So it's really reduced the downtime uh and the in the change or cleanup time between things and, and made people a whole lot more productive in that regard. And then of course the cleanup of it is so simple. There's no crevices for stuff to get jammed up in and it, it's just uh it's just a whole lot better from that perspective, and it's power washable, I mean shit if you want to, you can just spray it spray so,
0: it down, I mean, yeah, that's what I really yeah, like yeah
1: just you know the panel itself is a don't spray, but I mean, don't spray electrical stuff, that's a good plan, right, but you can spray the motor and the connections and everything else.
0: Greenbros isn't just a automated trimming company, they don't just have automated trimmers, they're complete automated solutions you know, we have, uh, some, some mutual customers and we've worked with you guys for years. Tell me about some of the automation that you've done for people.
1: Yeah. So it's right. You know, right now it's such a baby industry. It's a this connectivity thing, right? It's a moving, tra- transporting conveyor transport from, from one process to another process or connecting, uh, machines by different companies together. So that they're working in, in flow, like our precision batcher, which is, um, uh, from our partner green we have a jarring line now that's well, a different company. So in order you have to incorporate those two things together so that they function right. So you have, um, you know, now have a batching system that jars. That's great. Right. I mean, puts us right in the same place as one of the, uh, as a multi-head, you know, big multi-head company that, that's designed to package peanuts, you know, or, or jelly beans or whatever, or potato chips, those guys make machines non cannabis specific, but, to this point, they've had an advantage because of the jarring, but now we have jarring and bagging. So that's kind of the thing, like solving problems, right? What does a company need and where do they want to get to? If I can just speak personally about automation from my company's perspective. Two years ago, we bought a laser, just a sheet metal laser that didn't have any automation to it. And that machine paid for itself in two years. The ROI was, was astounding. It was a great machine. Well, coming to Vegas and moving to Vegas, we We bought a completely different piece of equipment, but this machine stores all its raw goods in it in a tower. So we've eliminated external storage and this machine will run whatever you want and picks its stuff out, tells you when it's running out of material, it'll run all night if you tell it to, and you don't have to attend it and attend to it. And so now all of a sudden my, my, my productivity in that area, because we've got some automation in it, it's not a, not a hundred percent automated because I still have a guy that has to pull parts off of it. But just that little chunk, right, has increased the value of that machine or that process set that of processes a thousandfold or better. So it's the same thing in the cannabis industry when you when you go from having a machine that that does a one function, say a trimmer, because that's what we're talking about. You have that great piece of equipment that reduces this really tedious and difficult task. Well, what if that machine feeds itself and empties itself and spits out information for you? You know, that's the kind of thing we're talking about, right? But what if we go one better than that? Not only does it feed itself, but it's being fed with specific sizes so that it becomes more efficient. And then its output comes into either bagging or, or micro-batching or gets sent off to extraction or whatever it is you need uh, out of that particular size of, or, or products. So you can see how these things kind of escalate in value as they become more and more combined and more of a system versus just a uh, you know a single process or a single solution for a single issue.
0: We were just talking about that today. How like the how much the quality would go up if you could harvest it, dry it, put it in its final package immediately. That was airtight and sealed. You know, it wouldn't get squished. It would you know you'd immediately have it into inventory. Your inventory processes would change because you're not like you know, weighing out bulk weed and then weighing out other bulk weed and then weighing out other bulk weed and then packaging it, you know, you just skip so many steps when you can jar it. Up yeah. Right you know, I
1: mean, if you got to figure every time that you're, every time that you're halting in a step, you know, you go in and you go, okay, we're going to cut and buck and wet trim and then go to drying. Right. So in there, you've got these things, but that can all come fluidly together, but you still have this point where you have to go and stop and dry. And there's all this opportunity in that window for problems to occur. And then you have, you know, multiple people, you know, getting hands on product. Now you've you've taken a product and you've packaged it for, for this process. And then you have to take it out of that process packaging, you know, off of trays or racks or whatever, put it into another piece of equipment to process it on and get it into the next stage. And then some people bulk package it and then send it off to remediation and then bring it back in micro, you know I mean? It's just like, dude, stop touching the product. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> stop touching it, man. Let's just put it in and let the machines do what they do and, uh, and, and, and get it done. And that's what we're pushing for really hard is ultimately that's what we see happening is that complete reduction of, of mm-hmm. interference in the, in the harvesting system where you're, where you're running you know the product from beginning to end. You know we'd like to see it so that it it really comes off the stem and never has to be moved into a separate process. It goes through the whole system. There's some tricks in there that have to be solved, and we're you know we're working on them.
0: you know, make potting soil? <laughs> oh, yeah, I make potting soil, right? and. Uh...
1: That is the only thing that I know. I mean, like that was my biggest jam. I could not understand making soil right, man. That's amazing. (laughs) I just couldn't get
0: it. I use semi-automated equipment. We got, you know, a, a 500 foot long batching, mixing, grinding, hydration, you know, conveyor belts, weight sensors, volume sensors. That's how we make it right. But it is hard to make it just on the ground. And it's a great analogy that we're talking about here, you know, to like dump a bunch of raw materials on the ground and mix it up with a front end loader really is key. I mean, a akin to like, you know, the old school way of packaging up cannabis, we break out our raw materials, our raw materials are packaged and go into the machine. Then, you know, it gets mixed and blended and bagged and, you know, a couple of people watching it happen. But, uh, yeah, we put out 20,000 bags of soil a day that way with just a handful of people, six people.
1: Yeah. Yeah. right. And it's consistent (laughs) and your bags are the right size and they're consistent and your product is, you know, it's the same, you know, especially, In this country, but actually in a global marketplace. I mean, look at what McDonald's has done to food. Like everybody expects that their McDonald's burger Mm -hmm. is going to taste like a McDonald's burger wherever McDonald's they go. Yeah. So it's important to have that consistency because that's kind of what consumers expect, and that's what you know, that's what what people who purchase cannabis expect. They don't want to have a sour diesel that isn't the same as the last time they had it because they really liked it. That you know, that's what they want. That's where it's headed, man. I mean. Down that direction of real consistency, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, this is something we talk about all the time is like there's this certain amount of customer education that needs to happen. But there's also this like demand by the customer and expectation that they can Amazon Prime anything and they should be able to, you know, go look at a menu, pick out something on a menu, just like at a bar and and reasonably, okay, if it's a KUSH, it's going to be this way. If it's an IPA, it's yep. going to be this way. If it's a Pilsner, it's going to be this way. If it's a yep. a Blue Strain, it's going to be this way. And we're right there on the verge because the, the mm-hmm. consumers are ahead a little bit in their demands and their their way that they think that they're buying cannabis. Because mm-hmm. now they go into the store and there's this myth of manufacturing that's happened where somebody in a back room has put something in a plastic bag in a box. and you know, they expect it to have of a certain quality, just like their Nikes or Converse or, you know, Mac computer, like they want to go in and buy their name brand product and automation and packaging specifically, like really, really aids this, man. It, it really is. Sure. Gonna bring... So many people are against a lot of this, but.
1: There's a craftness to it that, you know, isn't going to go away and one of my guys that works for me is a, is a level two sommelier. And I encourage everybody who, who, who gets an opportunity to go have a, a couple glasses of wine with that guy. Uh, <laughs> you know, right. because, uh, yeah, because you know, there's a certain, you know, he can really, he can really, uh, he really understands through flavor and nuance mm-hmm. all these different things. And, and, you know, there's plenty of people around cannabis that are the same way, but you can produce high volumes of cannabis very consistently You can, it can be done. And that's what we're talking about. It's just having that, that next level of kind of consistent performance from, from a product. It's nice to have some variants. I, I, you know, and, and be able to tell how some things are grown and that this, that the other thing. And you always have that kind of moment where you go, Oh, that was the best crop we've had in a long time type of deal. But for the most part, people still want to have that consistent experience, man. They want to know that, that thing's going to give them the same experience it did last time they tried mm-hmm. it. Packaging and perception is so huge, right? I mean, marketing, oh my God.
0: Yeah. Look at the, <laughs> look at the vape crisis, this vape crisis, the manufa- yeah. the manufactured vape crisis that's going on right yeah. now. Yeah. I'm not exactly well, sure mean, what it's about, but you know. You, I'm not
1: sure what it's about either, yeah. but I'm telling you what, what, you know, what it's doing is it's pushing, pushing the hell out of these hemp guys to take that product that's been put in the ground and, and think twice about sending it off to uh to full extraction you know mm-hmm. this is people are going well maybe this is maybe that we need to make this smokable and you're seeing people i see a lot of people looking and asking about smokable hemp and so it's really interesting what's happening with that i don't know how it's going to end up but somebody fucked up i know <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know no, you... and unfortunately some people are really sick from it but i mean is this an overblown reaction yeah yeah yeah, is it, is it
0: manufactured know. in some way? Probably. Yeah. Are people probably. sick and no, hurting? It, yes, but yeah, yeah. So, is I it mean, a problem? Maybe not.
1: Well, you know, there's still no regulation there, right? So everybody just said, "Oh, okay, vaping's cool." Vaping's cool, off. bro. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But there's no consistency, and and I'm like, I keep thinking, like to myself, like, yeah, strawberry flavoring is for your tongue, not for your lung. You know what I mean? Like, this <laughs> oh, I don't understand it. I get it. But, you know, like no one was telling you like, hey, have, have we tested this on anybody or on anything yet? The, what is it that's causing these kind of issues? You know, I've heard lots of different things about it. But I mean, there's no regulation. There's no passing of any kind of FDA or any of that stuff. So, you know, who knows, man? And these guys go on the black market and, and rip shit off and, and make up their own stuff and say it's something else. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you got people get sick, you know. And I don't know. If you remember back in the day when Tylenol had their, you know, somebody uh, sure. broke into the totally. Tylenol a bunch of freaking cyanide in the tiles. like after that everything became impossible to open you remember that and all the capsules changed yeah, all of a sudden you know so i mean they'll, you know vaping industry will, will adapt and they'll figure something out but i don't know what's going on in it and i don't vape so i'm not attached to it necessarily personally you know
0: you know, Cullen, what I really like about your business and 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 all the people that we've we've chatted with, your your sales reps, your technical support is everybody's really into it, their hearts into it. And you you've made this phrase industry born. You're, you're, your products are industry born, and you really can feel that talking to your crew. And so many people have a great, great, great idea uh with cannabis you know, I I every time someone smokes a joint that wants to be in the cannabis business, they start spouting out ideas on how they can get involved.
1: Right. Right.
0: What was that light bulb moment when you were like, Hey man, I I think there's some automation here. I think I should maybe make this other business and and stop growing and service the, the growers instead of being one.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, my first inclination was my, my, uh, my consistency in production of, in, in the growing arena was just really horrible, but I've also was able to figure out, you know, some, some, some changes in the, that could be applied to the, to the industry. But I learned really, really quickly. You know, I watched, I think the first dry trimming company that, like I said, the company that we, they were called the mean green. I think they still sell them, but I don't know. I haven't seen them in years. And I mean, that machine was killing it the first two years. And then they had a major they had a major issue, uh, with a supplier and a design change. They had done some things that in growth that kind of alienated some, some of the people on the purchasing side. So they made up, there was all these things that kind of came together and that company kind of faltered. And I saw that firsthand. I watched it kind of happen. I look at that as a, as a huge lesson, like, you know, you can't be, you can't just say, Oh, I got it. You know, there's no resting, there's no time to go, hey, pat yourself on the back. You know, there's somebody out there, like you said, there's somebody out there thinking about it. I've seen three different machines that have been built off of deconstructed 215 trimmers where they've taken my parts and they've re-gone after it and they have some neat ideas. (laughs) I look at it, I'm like, I'm like looking at the motor. I'm like, that's my motor. Hey, those are my blades. Would you look at that? You know, (laughs) but we've actually had to go and, and see somebody for actually directly copying my machine. So, but I don't know, I got kind of get a little off track, but, but the point is like, you, you know,
0: saw somebody's product uh, and you wanted to make yeah, a better one. You, you saw an opportunity. Yeah. And, in the and, market. I, and I
1: made something different, you know, mm-hmm. and our trimmer has stood out from everybody else and we're just still pushing that envelope. Like we talked to so many people who are telling us, Oh, well, this is a problem. This is where we're stuck. This is what we need help with. Can you fix this? And the answer is sometimes, yeah. And sometimes it's, well, give us a little bit of time to figure that out. And you can't fix everything, right? A lot of people are trying to solve the problems of the industry by going outside and grabbing machines that they go, oh, well, this works over in this industry. I mean, the multi-headware is a great example. Yeah, it works really well in the potato chip market. It works really well in packaging nuts and jelly beans and other BS that doesn't have a high value. They don't work so well with a sticky high dollar product like cannabis, you know, when you want to, when you want to have your margins correct and you don't want to be giving away more than one on overpack, you can't even look at the multi-head wares. We replace them all the time where guys spend, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars, half a million bucks on a machine. And and it turns out that it, it, I mean, it, it does, but it's costing them more money to keep, to keep it than it is to replace it with our machine and run the right way you know, and, and get the product taken care of the right way. It's really interesting to see people go outside the industry like that. That's why we come up with the industry born product, right? So a product that was specifically designed to handle cannabis. That's what our trimmer is. It wasn't designed for anything else. You know, unlike the other machines that are out there right now, a lot of them were designed for other things, you know, and a lot of them are just like, you know, refinements of somebody's other, somebody else's idea, but ours was specifically designed around what, cannabis needs. And that's why it does as good a job as it does. Our multi-head wear, man, that machine is designed. It goes down to a hundredth of a gram. Well, if you're packaging one gram bags, which a multi-head wear cannot do, but if you're packaging one gram bags at a hundredth of a gram, that's a big deal. (laughs) That's 1%. You know what I mean? So if you're packaging eighths, you know, how, how far off do you want to be? And that's a good question. I mean, we have a machine that weighs down to a hundredth of a gram and it's, and it's accurate and then it double checks itself. So you're not, you're not having short weights. Cause you, that's the other thing. You can't give a customer a short weight. can't so you short know? sack,
0: dude. Bad, no, that's bad, no, that's bad, the, bad the news. Thing right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: <laughs> Imagine packaging of, I don't know, a hundred pounds, just a hundred pounds a month in in eighths, right? Mm-hmm. And, well, if you're all, if you're off by 10%, you change the number of eighths you're selling by thousands. And right. you're like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem like that makes sense. But if you look at the numbers and you look at how, how mm-hmm. that works out, yeah, that, that is very, very important to get that accuracy correct. And you also want the product to be handled the right way. And I can promise you, no one wants to clean one of those machines, those multi-head mm-hmm. machines, when it's been, <laughs> when it's been mm-hmm. feeding cannabis for All a little while. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> but that's just an application. It's a great idea. It just doesn't work right. So we just need a better idea and need a better product. And so we've done that and we continue to do that. And that's, you know, what I think is the most valuable thing out there is industry born. I mean, I don't Have you ever seen those those uh, cigarette stuffing machines? Sure. They work great on tobacco. Yep. Great on tobacco. Yeah, man. But you have got to do a lot of work to get them to work with cannabis. That's just not quite the right just machine not quite for there.
0: it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Just not the, quite the right so, same design
1: it needs to be approached that way and mm-hmm. but you know the industry's growing so fast that people are kind of get stuck with uh
0: and we you see know, it all with- the time. We see people from outside the industry that want that see as an opportunity to sell widgets to cannabis people and yeah. they just try to bring something in that, that doesn't really work. Some of it actually takes off, but most of it doesn't. This is great advice to all of you business people and entrepreneurs that are listening to the show. If you've got what you think is a great idea for the cannabis industry, but you're not really a cannabis person, you you need to find some cannabis people, use them on your advisory board, and really run some good R&D to see if your product actually was going to work.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's a great point. And, you know, the other thing is if if you're out there and you think you've got something that's really shit hot and you're looking for a way to get that out, you know, give me a call, man. Come to Green Bros. Let's talk. You know, <laughs> we're all about helping And getting stuff out into the marketplace that's that's created around this industry. That's great. We have two partnerships right now with two different, great, great different companies starting a third partnership uh, and possibly a fourth by the end of this year. We're helping, you know, other companies bring products into the marketplace because we have a great reputation and we know what we're looking for and we know what we're doing. So we're we're out there helping other companies come to market with great ideas in a much quicker fashion than they would be able to on their own. I mean, the barrier to entry in this place is, is in this particular space. It's huge right now. Yeah. You know, when I started, I started in a garage. Mike, you couldn't do that today. You're, oh, no, you're I just as too big of a lift. You know, the cost of these trade shows, my God, yeah. and, and the marketing advertising and getting your name out and, you know,
0: The cost of one booth of a trade show is more than what it cost me to start out my first potting soil company. Yeah. I literally went in (laughs) with a buddy. We put $3,000 in each and bought a load of cocoa fiber
1: and resold it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I don't even want to tell you what we're spending at MJ BizCon. Yeah. Oh but, my God,
0: you know, dude. Ah, uh, senior set up yeah. there. Oh my God. It's, um, mints. <laughs> and you know, if you, are you going to, you're going to bring a setup like you have in the past to this new, yeah, one? Yeah. Oh, yeah if, if you guys up. are out there going to MJ BizCon or thinking about going to MJ BizCon, definitely check out the green bros set of booths they have uh equipment like you've never thought about you've maybe only dreamed about or you don't even think is possible it's really impressive man it really is cullen man i really appreciate you uh chatting with me today it's been a great conversation man but before we go though i want to see if you'll tell me how to use one of your green bros 215 trimmers the best way
1: yeah uh I mean, really the things you're looking for when you're using one of our trimming machines is it's about having the right moisture content to your product, you know, and really specifically making sure that the leaves are crispy. If the leaves are crispy, you're going to be right in there. And and we like to be in the, in the internal content, moisture content, you know, in the 10 range, it just depends. You still want to have it spongy. You don't want to have it, of course, be fragile. If you have that set up, and then uh, and then it's about finding that comfortable spot and the amount of product you want to put into the machine. The beautiful thing about it is you can run it and you can watch it. And you can keep your hands in there if you need to and pick out the product and figure it out. When I started, I used to run two machines side by side in my garage because my friend used to go to Northern California and he used to buy cannabis on the stock because it was cheaper for him, and he'd bring it down and I'd trim it and I was running it through my machines and I was making a hundred bucks a pound, so I was trimming two machines all night long. And I thought I was fucking King Kamehameha, man. I was making money left and right, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was it. Just like, you know, you just find that spot where things make sense and, and play with it a little bit. Don't be afraid to use the tool. Well,
0: friends, once again, it's, uh, it's time to close this episode. I know it's sad, but, uh, there'll be another episode in the future. Thank you for joining us here on the real dirt. Uh, Cullen, thank you so much for giving me your time.
1: Well, I really appreciate it, man. These conversations help me to keep my history alive in my mind. You know, you get yeah. busy sometimes and forget, but it's really nice and refreshing to kind of be able to look back. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Hey, how how do people contact you guys?
1: Uh, the best way is right on the web at www.greenbros.com. From there, you can find uh, our videos, but you can also find our LinkedIn and, and all of our other social connections right there. Um, and then there's also our, our phone number is there, but it's one eight four four dry trim So that's the best way, easiest way to get hold of us. You can, you know, you can always message through the, through all the fun apps. I don't know all, all those addresses, but they're on the website.
0: Yeah. And if you're interested in buying or renting a uh, Green Bros trimmer, please contact us at Cultivate OKC or Cultivate Colorado. We rent and sell those machines. And if you're interested in renting one, definitely uh, put in a reservation because this time of year, man, they are they are booked up. Yeah. They, thanks again, guys, and uh, yeah, ha- have a nice end of your day, realtor.